Welcome to Live with Crabtree Coaching Collaborative, your compass for educational excellence. Now, as instructional leaders, we want to avoid that overwhelming sense of burnout and exhaustion because of all of those different competing priorities. We want to avoid our staff members becoming utterly frustrated because they cannot keep up with the demands. And let's face it, we want to avoid just having that lack of confidence because we don't feel like we're making any progress. That's why you're here, right? My name is Alyssa Crabtree, and with over 16 years of experience, I am here to help you gain clarity Amplify your learning like never before and hone in on intentionality. This is where transformation begins and excellence is always the standard. Remember, we are in this together, my friends. So let's do this thing. Hey everyone, happy Thursday. I hope you have had a thrilling Thursday and that everything has gone your way. Um, so tonight I am coming to you solo because I want to talk about the power of feedback. And this all happened because today I was writing emails and one of my emails, I was talking about feedback and I was like, you know what? This is a conversation that I have with instructional coaches and administrators quite often. And I just want to explore this this topic with you. So if you are joining us live, or even if you're catching the replay, I'm going to ask that you enter your questions as we go through this, share your ideas, but we are going to dive into the wonderful world of feedback. And the first thing we're going to address are the five things that we have to stop doing when we think or what we th we have to stop doing these five things because we are assuming that this is quality feedback and we're assuming that teachers are going to be motivated to continue with the feedback. However, it's not the case. And I'm going to tell you, I've done a lot of research on feedback and I've had a lot of experience giving it and receiving it. And we know that Feedback is one of the number one ways to grow. That's the whole purpose of feedback. But I'm here to tell you, as an adult with multiple degrees, oftentimes that feedback has to come from someone that I trust. Most definitely. I want you to think about it. Think of your own profession, whether you are in education or in another profession. If someone who has never stepped in the arena, as Brene Brown talks about it, if someone has never stepped in the arena with you, are you going to take their feedback? No. And so when we are talking about feedback in the education world and providing teachers with feedback, there are some valid reasons as to why they might not accept that feedback. And the way that I began thinking about feedback and really trying to strengthen how I provide feedback to others came from my own experience of receiving feedback. So I was working as a campus instructional coach and I remember getting extremely frustrated because teachers were not 
running with the feedback. And I was like, man, we've been talking about this. I've been suggesting this. I've been modeling this. But as soon as we were done with the coaching cycle or worse, they just ignored it altogether. They did not continue with that feedback. And guess what? They The problem that they were having persisted and it kept going on. And I just kept thinking to myself, oh my gosh, if you just did this, I keep telling you to do this. If you just did this and stuck with it, guess what? Those problems would be resolved. But then I had my own observation, not observation, uh, feedback conversation with my appraiser. And my appraiser was very kind, absolutely adored this person. However, as they were going through the feedback, in my mind, I kept thinking, one, that that ain't going to work. And then I was even thinking, dude, you don't even know the whole story. And then I even thought, uh, I don't necessarily trust your instructional capacity. So those were all the things going through my head. And I like to consider myself someone who receives feedback fairly well. I am always seeking feedback. I want you to give me feedback tonight. Tell me how I can make these videos stronger. But I, I was frustrated. But in my emotions or in my reaction to that feedback, I started thinking, oh my gosh, this is how teachers feel when I'm giving them feedback. And you know what? They have a point. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about self-determination theory, because I can tell you adults are hard. They're difficult. They can be hard to coach sometimes. And I often get instructional coaches and even administrators asking me, Alyssa, how do I motivate them? Like, it's like they don't care. It's like they don't want to do this or they're just not listening to me. And does that sound familiar? Does it sound like our students sometimes? Yes. <laughs> but when we look at the factors that motivate adults, there are three things that will motivate adults. And I'm here to tell you, it ain't a tray of food. It is not a cart that walks around the campus with some snacks on it. Is that nice? Absolutely, that is nice. I greatly appreciate a Diet Dr. Pepper in, in the middle of the day. Like those things are nice, but they're not motivators. What are motivators for adults? Autonomy. If you are someone who is a micromanager, if you are someone who wants to make all the decisions, if you are someone who just wants to tell people what to do, you will experience zero growth with those that you lead. Autonomy is huge. And trusting that they will learn, that they will grow. And you know what? If you give them that space to have autonomy, they're going to take your feedback. Relatedness. They need to know why, how does this relate? When that administrator was providing me with feedback, I remember thinking, that's, that's not even what I do. Like, what you talking about? Like, this don't relate to coaching. This doesn't relate to instructional leadership. And so, and how many of you have attended PDs where it was not relevant? And then you get angry and you're like, oh, I just wasted a whole day sitting here in this PD. It happens just like students, just like adults, we want feedback that is related to our needs, related to our needs. 
And then the third thing is competence. I need to know that I can do it and I need to know how to do it. Those are two big things. I need to know that I can do it and that I am progressing and I need to know how to do it. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot assume that people understand the meaning that you were hoping to convey. So we're going to get into modeling and checklists in this as well, because I will tell you, I have said something as small as, hey, have the kids do a turn and talk. And you think turn and talk, but what they did was not a turn and talk, <laughs> but they thought it was. And so we're going to talk about those uh, concerns as well. But here, here's where it all comes together. These are the five things, the five things that we have to stop doing when providing feedback if we want it to stick, if we want that feedback to really matter to teachers. So let's get into it. The first thing, stop looking at all the problems. Stop going into classrooms and being like, oh my goodness, they should have done this. They could have done this. They should have done this. I have sat down next to a lot of coaches. We'll go into classrooms together. One of the services that I provide is going on campuses with instructional coaches and, and doing class walks and coaching them through coaching. And I sat down with this math instructional coach and we get into this classroom and she started nitpicking everything. She was like, oh my goodness, she should have done this. She could have done this. She could have done this. She was writing it all down. And I just had to look at her when we went back to calibrate our feedback. And I was like, girl slow down. We are looking at one thing. One. So when you go in, what I'm going to ask that you do is go in with one lens. And this needs to be a lens that the teacher has determined. I'm going to say that again. This needs to be a lens that the teacher has chosen not a lens that is, oh man, you know what? Everyone needs to be working on this. So I'm going to go in and that's going to be my lens. Because what did I tell you at the beginning is an adult motivator autonomy. And if a teacher says, hey, Alyssa, I want you to come in and give me feedback on this. How much more likely are they to follow through with that feedback than if I just went in all willy nilly and gave them one area of feedback. So stop looking at all the problems, understand the teacher's goal, and that is the feedback lens that you are going to address. It makes it more manageable, it's less overwhelming for teachers, that is where you wanna stay. All right, number two. Oh, let me put up my, let me put up my first, uh, stop, I have my little banners and I missed it. I'll put it up in a second. So my second one is stop providing just glows and grows. Oftentimes we walk into classrooms and I always hear glows and grows is like one of the most standard forms of feedback that we hear. We teach students how to use glows and grows. We use glows and grows when going into classroom observations. But here's the deal. Glows and grows are nice especially the glows, we always want to point out what the teacher is doing well. 
again, though, I'm going to ask that you use the lens of reference. The lens that the teacher has chosen, that's where you're going to provide some glows. Now, you can also provide glows around other areas because those are behaviors that you want them to continue. But I'm going to caution you, please don't give... Um, blanket feedback where you just say, oh, all the kids were engaged. I love how you had them engaged. Be very specific. I noticed you intentionally planned this really intriguing question at the start of class and the kids were so curious. It had them digging in. How genius is that? That is a glow that you want to leave because then the teacher is going to think to themselves, Oh, I'm going to do more moves like that. So you want to give very specific glows. Now, let's talk about the grows. I'm going to change that to just grow because there's only one. You just don't want to inundate them with tons and tons of feedback. One grow. And I want you to center it around, obviously, the teacher's goal. And then you're going to provide them with action steps. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. When you provide them with those individualized steps, then what happens is the teacher can immediately turn it around with some guidance. If it's simple, we want it to be simple. Now, I'm always going to say if you are providing uh, complex feedback, you need to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with that teacher. You need to be modeling, all of that stuff. But if it's just a goal that y'all have been working on for a while and you just need them to clean something up a little bit, I'm going to include the action steps. Because again, I can say your grow is to get the kids talking more. That could mean so many things. And as someone who I've been a junior high teacher forever, if I have 42 stinky eighth graders in my class and, and my coach just says, get them to talk more, well, geez, Louise, they already talking. So there are some different ways that we need to approach this. And one of the number one ways that we can strengthen our feedback is to provide them with clarity on the action steps. Because remember, one of the key motivators for adult learning is competence. How do I do this? And can I do this? So that's huge. I want you to keep that in your back pocket. Now, the third thing that we need to stop doing is stop pushing for teachers to enroll in coaching cycles. I am a huge coaching cycle fanatic. I love coaching cycles. It's my bread and butter. It's what I've been doing forever. But here's the kicker. Instead of pushing for them to be in coaching cycles, I'm going to pull them in to coaching cycles. The more and more that I get into business school and like I'm learning more about how to run a business, one of the things that is continually said is people do not buy, um, people do not like to buy, or no, hold on, people do not want to be sold to, but they do like to buy. So if we are pushing and pushing, 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 and we're getting a little too pushy, they're going to back away. However, if we can pull them in, 
to see clear reality, they're going to want it. They're going to want that sucker. They're going to come to you like, let's do it. And the number one way that I do this is through conversations around their ideal class environment. Jim Knight has a beautiful coaching question that I, it's always my go-to. What is it that students are currently not doing that you want them to do? What would make your life easier? And when I can get teachers to visualize that picture and they can talk about all the ways, all the things that they want the kids to be doing that would make their life easier. And then I can ask, how would that make you feel if they started doing it? And I get conversations like, oh my gosh, that would make me feel so good. I wouldn't leave so exhausted. Let me tell you, I can make that a reality. Are you ready to, are you ready to take that uh, journey with me? And they're like, hold on, we can make that happen? Yes, we can. Let's go through a coaching cycle. Well, okay. So there is a strategy to get teachers enrolled in coaching cycles because I pulled them in. I'm not pushing it on them. I'm not forcing them into a coaching cycle. Now, we have to stop, stop, stop choosing the teacher's goal. I know that it is very easy for us to be like, oh, they need to work on this. I'm all, Unless they are on a growth plan, we do not need to be choosing the teacher's goal. And even then, I'd kind of argue that there, there needs to be some autonomy there. But remember, adult motivators, one of them is autonomy. It needs to be something that they have invested in, something that they believe in, not something that was thrown on them. And I'm going to take it back to that relevance. Oftentimes, people might have the mindset of, how does this even relate to me? How does this, uh, you've only come in for 15 minutes of my class period. You don't know the whole picture. So this is not relevant to my true needs. And as an administrator or an instructional coach, you might think that you know, but if they're not buying it, it ain't gonna happen. And they're not going to be motivated to do it. So I'm going to tell you personally, if I'm going to spend four weeks on a coaching cycle with a teacher, I want it to be something that they are invested in and will follow through with because my time is precious. Their time is precious. We don't want to waste it. So instead, position the teacher as the decision maker because adults are motivated by autonomy and they are motivated by relevance. Those are two huge things that we must remember. Okay, I get some pushback on this one, but I'm going to swear by it. I'm going to tell you, put it on my gravestone when I die. Schedule your weeks. Schedule them every Friday before you leave campus or Sunday night, however you want to do it, schedule your weeks. And what you're going to do is schedule every class period. Where am I? I've said it before. It's education. Your schedule is going to change. I know it happens. However, if you are prioritizing coaching conversations feedback conversations, getting into teachers' classrooms, then they're going to believe your feedback. They, teachers, are going to be more receptive to your feedback because one, they're going to have a little more of an understanding of what you do. There are 
a lot of assumptions that if you are a coach, administrator, if you're not a classroom teacher, well, what do they do all day? Can't tell you how many times I hear that. Let me tell you, they're working. They are working their rear ends off and they are in all different directions. It's just when we don't live in, in people's shoes, sometimes we don't have the clear picture. But one of the best things that I ever started doing, and I started doing this when I became a district coach. And then when I went back to being a campus coach, it, um, it just stuck with me. And it was the best thing I ever did because one, teachers were like, oh, she is in the trenches with us. She knows she got the competence. She knows. But then also I was able to have conversations with teachers that were relevant to their needs and strengthen their competence. So schedule your weeks and then you can intentionally prioritize feedback conversations. If not, you're going in all willy nilly and then maybe you don't get to provide feedback in a timely manner. Maybe you are uh, wanting to go into a classroom, but then you can't anymore. And so the teacher is like, they always stand me up. They don't come anyway. So why am I going to listen to their feedback? If you want teachers to follow your feedback, you need to be present. And the best way to do that is to purposefully plan, purposefully plan. And that, my friend, oh, I already said this. I'm going backwards. Why am I going backwards? I wanted to show you this. And I'm going to put it into the chat, actually. Let me copy it real quick. That's not going to help because it's not editable. Let me put it in the chat right now. Here is a note card that I, it's free. It is free and it is just something you can print out. It is nothing fancy by any means, but what you can do is as you go into the classrooms, you have your focus. What's your one lens, one lens. What are the observations that you have? What questions do you have? So notice instead of glows and grows, I'm giving questions to facilitate reflection. Then I'm going to provide the action steps and I'm going to schedule a follow-up because that's what I do. I provide follow-up. Now, I think I missed the fifth one. I'm sorry, team. I'm like all over the place tonight. So the fifth thing that I want you to stop doing is looking at, I already talked about that. See, I just have a slide that is a repeat. So I'm sharing this, but I do have some comments in the chat. Let me pull up this one. Coaching cycles, coaching cycle pressures are a real thing. I've pushed and buy-in never established. It is only work when they have pressed it on their own. Oh, yes, ma'am. This is so true. And I see it all the time, but that's because it goes back to autonomy, relevance, and competence. And sometimes they don't necessarily, maybe they do know that, oh, I need to grow, but a coaching cycle sounds intimidating to them. And so that's when you want to pull them in to a coaching cycle. So I am going to ask if anyone has any questions, feel free, send me an email, send me a DM. I am more than happy to respond to those questions. And maybe you disagree with something that I said tonight. That's okay too. That's what it's all about. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your ideas. Um, 
that's how we grow. And of course, I want your feedback. So whether you're watching the replay or you're joining me tonight, go ahead, send me some feedback because I'm ready because I'm asking for it. I want it. I want to grow. Go ahead and give it to me. But my friends, I hope you're having a fabulous evening. Please do not forget these five things that we need to stop doing. And maybe we don't necessarily stop all of it, but we make it a little stronger. We finesse it a little bit. So have a wonderful evening, my friends, and I will see you next time. Bye, everyone.